Welcome to On the Record, the online podcast of the Bristol Herald Courier. First up, the region hosted Sharing Solutions on Thursday. It was the kickoff event for the U.S. Chamber Foundation's effort to help businesses address the opioid crisis in the workplace. We'll hear first from Catherine Traver, Vice President of the Foundation, and then Delegate Todd Pillion, who has carried considerable legislation to address the challenges. Then we'll hear from Steve Smith, CEO of Food City, about progress on the company's new flagship store in Abingdon, Virginia. The National Health Emergency that we at the Chamber Foundation started to explore how we could help and do our part. So we believe that a crisis of this magnitude requires everyone to be part of the solution, and that includes the business community. So we started to explore how we could take part in this solution, and we began by vetting concepts with our 1,500 state and local chambers. And thank you to Gary Mabry with the Johnson City, Tennessee Chamber for introducing us to the Northeastern Tennessee Southwestern Virginia Coalition to make this happen here today. And thank you to Casey Carringer from Ballot Health, who's been an amazing partner. So some of you may have seen with our Sharing Solutions Resource Hub, what we have done is scan the landscape using the employer lens for resources that we could then curate and make very navigable for small and mid-sized businesses who don't necessarily have the resources at their fingertips to address the crisis within their own workforce and communities. So the result is sharingsolutions.us, and it also includes best practice stories of companies that are doing some amazing things in this space, a couple of which are here today, Lighthouse and Belden, are profiled in our Sharing Solutions library. And the resource itself is built to be interactive, so we hope that when you all go back today, you will check out the site and actually share your solutions through the interactive forms that are provided on the Sharing Solutions website. So we're thrilled to have this live here for you today, and with that, I would like to invite Delegate Pillion to the stage. It was ground zero for the opioid epidemic. And while we still have significant challenges and a lot of work to do, I'd like to think that Southwest Virginia is now ground zero for solutions to this epidemic. And that is why we're kicking off this series right here in our community. The reason for that is many of you in this room and the people and organizations that we work with throughout the region. The opioid epidemic is one of the biggest health, economic, and workforce issues of our time. The only way we tackle a problem this pervasive and complex is by working together across jurisdictional, professional, and yes, political lines. Because we've been able to do that, we're finally making some important progress here and across Virginia. We've taken local problems, experiences, ideas, and solutions to Richmond, enacted significant reforms over the last several years that are benefiting families and communities across the entire Commonwealth. Some of those include going after the supply chain, strengthening requirements for providers, and emphasizing a comprehensive approach to recovery. As the conversations progress towards the economic and workforce aspects of this crisis, we've also had opportunities to engage our federal partners on how we can work together and the role we can have in addressing those challenges. Congress and President Trump 
have made this a priority, and many agencies like ARC and USDA are beginning to figure out their role in this area as well. What's clear is no one can do everything on their own. Federal, state, and local governments have to work together to pull and use resources to implement the most effective strategies to benefit families and communities. Whereas some regions are just now beginning to deal with the opioid problem, we've been dealing with it in Appalachia since the 1990s. As a result, we've been on the verge of losing an entire generation of people and workforce to this crisis. Ultimately, that's why we're here today, to understand how all of our communities can, to, can work together to confront the disease of addiction and address the workforce challenges directly related to this epidemic. As a pediatric dentist and a state official, I see how this crisis has affected so many elements of our society. It's particularly devastating to me when young patients come into my office and their families have been ripped apart by this epidemic. We're seeing cases of children being raised by their grandparents and their great-grandparents and their parents and their great-grandparents and their grandparents are all still struggling with addiction. It's a vicious cycle and many of us know this because we've seen it in our own families, our friends, at our work, and our churches. We've also seen it in our skilled and talented employees who find that the hardest test that they have to pass is often a drug test. In today's world, it's easy to point fingers, and while, we, while people have to have accountability, we just have to look around and see that this problem has very broad implications. We all have an opportunity to be part of the solution. The reality is we've made some critically important progress over the last few years, but our work is far from finished and the challenges are still great. Systemic problems such as this epidemic that have been in the making for decades aren't solved overnight or by any one group. But through our collective efforts, we can make Southwest Virginia and East Tennessee an even better place to live, work, and raise a family. Thank you to the U.S. Chamber for being here today. Steve Smith, uh, tell me what this project, the Meadows, the sports complex, and the new road, what is that going to do to, to change Abington? Well, I think it opens up a whole uh, new opportunity for Abington, you know, both with retail, which I think is important for Abington, because Abington hadn't had a lot of room to grow in the past, but also for the recreation, because you know, having raised kids here myself and a lot of the folks I work with, you know, it's tough scheduling, you know, soccer or softball or baseball with the limited amount of fields. And to be able to have seven or eight fields over here for kids to practice and play on is going to be pretty phenomenal. There will be a splash pad, I think, that's planned uh, in conjunction with this. And it's just going to be a neat opportunity. There will be new retail here that's never been, you know, in Abington and Washington County before. And I, I hope it just precipitates, you know, the town's continued growth pattern. And I think with redeveloping the uh, uh, town center, uh, I think that'll be an asset to Abington too. And as disappointed as we are about the connector road, I still think there's opportunities for Washington's cro Washington Crossing with uh, to repurpose it as well. Mm -hmm. And that's that's why we bought it. You know, Stephen's a, a great developer, and he knows people that uh, um, 
we think can be brought to Abington to create retail and create commerce and ultimately create taxes for the tax base. How big will this food city be, this new food city, compared to some of your other shops in the Tri-Cities, your other retail outlets? It'll end up being the largest supermarket that we have in the Tri-Cities. We've got one or two in Knoxville and Chattanooga that are uh, of equal size, but Mm -hmm. from the ground up, it'll be the biggest store we've ever built. It's probably about an extra 5,000 square feet bigger than Euclid Avenue or our Mm -hmm. flagship store at uh, Crown Center in Kingsport, uh, Mm -hmm. probably 2,000 or 3,000 square feet larger than our Johnson City store. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's, there's a lot of business here. Why do you need a store so big in Abington? Well, this store, volume-wise, will rival uh, mm-hmm. those stores. And on a sales-per-square-foot basis, and that's really the mm-hmm. way we measure our uh, productivity of a supermarket, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be amongst the top uh, 20 25% that we'll have in the company. Okay. Is it also uh, part of a showcase because this is the town that your, your company's based in? Well, I think you, we wanted a new store for, you know, really two reasons. I mean, number one, our customers deserve more variety, more selection, and they deserved a new store. This one's, quite frankly, 30 years old. But, uh, yeah, we'd like to be able to show the many vendors that we have that come in to, you know, to call on us on a, a weekly or monthly or quarterly basis. We'd like to be able to show them a nicer format of our store without having to say, hey, go down to Johnson City and see that new, that's our newest format and they can do it right here and we'll keep those people here maybe in town another night and maybe having another meal in town has the spring weather given you a new enthusiasm for this project <laughs> it's, it's certainly been able to get get some construction started I, I think all of us were tired of the rain and the gray that we faced for the last 12 months here in the in this region and that has put this project a little bit behind oh way behind okay I mean, we're probably running uh, anywhere from six to nine months behind because of the weather. And it's not just us, but you talk to the folks in Sullivan County with the new schools and, and mm-hmm. you look at construction otherwise. It's, it's, it's been a tough building season for a lot of people. And will that increase the cost for the project? Uh, some. I don't think it'll be significant. You know, we had a contract to move the dirt. Uh, it probably hadn't helped the contractor any. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly anytime you got equipment sitting, it doesn't do anybody any good. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, It won't be substantial. Okay. On the Record was made possible by David McKee, David Krieger, Delina Matthews, and Brian Woodson. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.